Good morning to everyone. Welcome to Union Sunday. The scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 11. Jesus went to a town called Nine, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her. And he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the fire. And the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. And God looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding countryside. So in the narrative lectionary, we are now seven chapters into Luke's gospel now. Jesus is getting a reputation. People all over Galilee have heard of him, this wonder-working teacher from Nazareth. So now as he travels about the countryside, people go along with him. They travel along. And not just his official disciples, Jesus attracts the curious and the hopeful and the desperate. If they're able, they leave home for a few days or more, simply to follow Jesus, to listen to him teach, and to see what it is that he is going to do next. They must have been a sight to behold along those winding roads in Galilee, along the lake shore, and through the barley fields, a ragtag procession of seekers and scholars and beggars and others following Jesus from town to town. And then one day, they approached Nain, a small town about nine miles from Nazareth in the shadow of Mount Tabor. It was a charming little place. No, really, it was a charming little place. That's what Nain means, charming. So imagine, if you can, this procession of humanity, a parade even, as it approached this charming village under a sky as blue as the Mediterranean itself, which was also not all that far away. But as Jesus' procession neared the city gates, they discovered that they weren't the only parade in town that day. On that day, the Jesus' procession met another procession heading in the other direction. As John just read, as Jesus approached the gate of the town. The man who had died was being carried out. 
He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. Now roads and gates, town gates in those days, were not all that wide, so the two processions couldn't have missed each other. In fact, the two parades must have met on that road in and out of name with a sort of ancient gridlock, the parade of life meeting the parade of death. I wonder if you ever feel that you are caught in that same kind of gridlock, like you are not making any headway against the powers of death in this world. Do you ever feel like that, like every day you set out marching under the banner of hope only to run smack into the march of hopelessness that meets you? Do you ever feel like you work hard in whatever work it is that you have chosen to do to be a source of light and life in the world only to feel that all too often you encounter the forces of death and darkness parading out against you? What does this story of this moment on the road outside name where the parade of life and the parade of death meet? What does this story from that long ago day have to offer us in the way of resources to turn to when we find ourselves in that same kind of gridlock between the parade of life and the parade of death? Let's listen to the story again. Let's imagine it in our minds and see what Jesus does and see if we can find some clues. Now, when Jesus saw the woman, he had compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, rise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Now, what does Jesus do first in this story? He sees. When Jesus saw her, now, at first you might say, well, of course, Jesus saw her, everybody saw her, and I suppose, in a way, you'd be right, but back up just a little bit. What everybody saw was a large funeral procession. There would have been a lot of people, biblical scholars tell us that funerals in those days were very much community affairs. There would have been family members, the young man's friends and contemporaries, neighbors, even mourners that were paid to weep and wail, someone to say the proper prayers, children, I'm guessing maybe even a few dogs or other animals darting in and out of that crowd, that procession. Lots of people, lots of activity, but Jesus sees the widow, the mother who has just lost her only child. Out of all of those people in the crowd on that day, she was surely the most broken and the most vulnerable. She was broken by grief, of course, and in that time and that place, a widow with no children and no husband to provide for her would have been also pushed to the economic and the social margins of the community, always at the mercy of others to show her basic kindness and provide her with the necessities of life. So, for Jesus... When the parade of life meets the parade of death, the first thing to do is to see. To see those whom in that parade 
of death are the most vulnerable, the most broken, the most at risk. And the next thing that Jesus does, well, he has compassion on her. Once he has seen the one in this procession of death that's approaching, he sees the one who is the most vulnerable, the most at risk, and then Jesus has compassion. And again, you might say, well, of course he does. Who wouldn't? But actually, responding with compassion, unfortunately, tends not to be our default as human beings, always. Seeing those who are broken and vulnerable and pushed to the margins of our society actually can make us feel very uncomfortable, very overwhelmed. And in that discomfort, we often move away from compassion instead of toward it. We move toward explanations of how it's not really our problem. We move toward rationalizations that say it's really the vulnerable person's own fault because of their bad choices. We explain to ourselves that hard work and self-reliance will surely fix the broken, vulnerable person's problems, and we don't need to get involved. But here in this story, Jesus' example shows us that once we see the broken and the vulnerable, our response should be to move toward compassion rather than to give in to those responses that we sometimes move to in our discomfort that would move us away from compassion. And then what does Jesus do? He speaks up. He says, do not weep. He goes on the record with his compassion. He says the words out loud so the crowd hears him. Jesus is not just compassionate inside, he's publicly compassionate. With these words, Jesus helps others to see what he's seeing and to respond as he is responding. And then Jesus tells us, then Luke tells us, Jesus came forward and touched the coffin and the bearers stood still. At this point, Jesus shows us how to make a really important move in our encounter with the parade of death. He demonstrates that at some point, we have to move from simply feeling compassion to enacting compassion. In just a few short sentences in this story, we see Jesus go from seeing to feeling to speaking to acting. And at each stage, the power of God's love, the power of the life of God at work through Jesus grows stronger and more focused. At each stage along the way, God's love becomes more visible, more tangible. And finally in this story, Jesus does what he has the power to do. He says to the young man, rise. Perhaps here Jesus surprised even himself. This was beyond anything that he had done before in his ministry, this raising the dead. I almost wonder if before he said those words, he had any doubts about whether it would really work. But he said them. He did what he had the power to do. For him, this moment possibly was even a moment of discovery for him of his true identity and purpose as he continued on that parade of life that he was leading through those dusty roads in Galilee. 
Now in not too many minutes, we will gather around this table and share in that life. The bread of life broken for us, the cup of promise poured out for us. But then not too many minutes after that, we'll leave this place and go out into the world where we encounter the life and power of God, but also where we encounter the world where it seems like the power of death is marching against us. And this story gives us some clues about how we can respond as followers of Jesus in that moment. When we run into that parade of death and all the many shapes and forms it takes in this world. First, see those who are the most vulnerable, the most broken. Second, move past our initial discomfort and rationalizations to a place of compassion. Third, Speak up. Go on the record as a voice of compassion. Fourth, enact and embody compassion in ways that people can see and feel. And fifth, do what you have the power to do. Just because you're not Jesus with the power to raise the dead doesn't mean that you cannot follow him all the way to the end of this story. Follow Jesus in doing what you have the power to do, what you have the gifts to do, what you have the resources to do, what you have the imagination and the vision to do. Follow Jesus in trusting in the power of God at work within you to move beyond what you've been able to do before, anything that you've been able to do up to this point. Follow Jesus in believing that there will be a day when the parade of life leads everyone finally into the realm of God. Amen.